you're able to stand with us, Psalms chapter 32. And uh, appreciate all the testimonies and the good singing. And uh, I'm glad we're in a church where people will testify and uh, will magnify the Lord. It's certainly needed. And uh, so I'm, I want to preach a few minutes tonight a message that I think will uh, help us. But I'm going to tread lightly uh, with my throat tonight preaching. But I pray God will still move and help us tonight. Psalms 32 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Blessed is he who transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Salam. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Salam. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Salam. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, yea, rejoice and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Lord, I want to thank you tonight for the good singing, the good testimonies, and I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. God, I pray that you will speak to our hearts tonight in a, Lord, a real way. We'll love you and we'll thank you. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject, on the sin question. The sin question or two views of sin. In Psalms chapter 32, David is looking back into his life and he's looking back at the sin that he has committed. And you know the life of David, how that he had great victories and how that he also had uh, blemishes in his life just like we all do. If there's probably any chapter that David could erase out of his life, I'm quite certain he would take that chapter out where he sinned with Bathsheba. But certainly as life is, we cannot go back and erase the past. Amen? But in this Psalm, here. David is looking back at his life. He's looking back at his sin. This is the second uh, psalm of six psalms that David wrote uh, concerning psalms of repentance in the life of David about his sin with Bathsheba. And it's in this psalm here uh, that David talks about sin being viewed in two different ways. And he answers the great question about sin tonight. Is there consequences for sin? We know tonight that the answer to that question is yes. But it's one thing to understand it mentally, but it's another thing to experience it physically uh, in this walk of life. It is something that I hope that uh, young people sitting here never have to experience the consequences of sin. But David experienced it in a great way. And in this psalm tonight, what you'll see is in the first seven verses here is that David wants us to look at sin and he wants us to see sin as seen by the sinner. He wants us to see sin as it is 
seen by the sinner in verses 1 through 7. And then in verses 8 through 11, he wants us to look at sin and see sin as it is seen by the Savior. And friend, how we look at sin is very important in our life. Some people look at sin and they say, well, it's not a big deal. Others look at sin and they long for it. Some look at sin and it brings fear to their life because they know what the Word of God says. And it's important that we look at sin through the eyes of this sinner and through the eyes of the Savior. I want you to notice tonight, first of all, as David sees this sin through the eyes of a sinner, he wants us to see in verses 1 and 2 that the pleasure that we feel when sin is cleansed, the pleasure that we feel whenever our sin is cleansed. He said, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. David is simply mentioning here the pleasure that a sinner feels once their sin has been covered. And can I tell you tonight, there is no greater joy than when you and I come to an altar or when we get on our knees in prayer and we confess our sins to God and we know that our sins has been cleansed, it brings great pleasure to our life. It gives us victory. I don't understand why we're this way, but the flesh is. Oftentimes when we sin, it we're just like Adam in the garden. We try to cover that sin and hide it from God. But if we'll just go ahead and own up to it and confess it and forsake it, then there's cleansing that comes and there's pleasure in that. David started this psalm off in verse 1 and 2 by using the word blessed. Amen. And he said, if you want to be blessed, then what you have to do is confess your sin and the pleasure that you'll feel when your sin is cleansed. I think that's one reason why when an old sinner gets saved, they get off the altar and they've got so much joy. Amen. The reason they got all that joy is because for so long, all of their life, they have felt so dirty. But now all of a sudden when they get up, they're for the first time in their life, they feel clean on the inside. They may still have the long hair. They may still have the tattoos and they may still have all the marks of sin on the outside, but they're a brand new person on the inside and there's a smile on their face. And so he talks about the pleasure that we feel when our sin is cleansed. Then he talks about the penalty that we face whenever our sin has been concealed. Amen. Notice what he said in verse number three. He said, when I kept silence, he said, my bones waxed old through my roaring. He said, all the day long for day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. You see in the drought of summer, if you've got a Rock of Ages Bible, uh, there's a little footnote there that talks about summer drought and it talks about how that in Judea uh, that they would go a month long and that there would be no rain for a month and it talks about the dryness of that and David is referring to that in his own soul. Uh, whenever he was trying to, uh, to conceal that sin that he committed, uh, David said, my bones uh, uh, waxed old through my roaring all the day long. You see, there's a penalty uh, that a Christian, a child of God, has to pay whenever they conceal sin in their life. Boy, isn't that going on today in our churches? You think about David tonight. The Bible says here that David was once healthy, 
But now David is talking about how that his bones waxed old. It's no secret that the sin uh, that David had committed with Bathsheba later in life was also, he writes in Psalms, I think it's 70, he talks about how that that sin had crept into his own loins and physically it had affected his life. Uh, Friend, listen, sin will not only affect us spiritually, but it will affect us physically, amen? Uh, The marks of sin are not just spiritual marks, Uh, But you see a Christian, a child of God, a backslider, when they sin, they suffer for that sin in this life. Amen? It's not in the next life that you're going to suffer and I'm going to suffer for the seeds uh, seeds of sin that we have sown. But the Bible says uh, we'll reap it in this life that he that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. And so David talks about the pleasure uh, that we feel whenever our uh, the pleasure we feel when our sin has been cleansed. uh, But now he talks about the penalty that we face uh, whenever our sin has been concealed. You see, the soul that sinneth, the Bible said it shall surely die. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. You cannot get by with sin. I cannot get by with sin. The Bible said, uh, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Friend, it is a dangerous thing uh, to conceal sin. We can't hide sin from God. Uh, the Bible said in Proverbs 15, 3, that the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Uh, God saw us when we did it and so there's no point in hiding it. We must confess it and forsake it tonight. Amen. I think a lot of times our churches are grieved because of sin that may be concealed even within the congregation. Tonight uh, it's the responsibility of all of us, even the pastor to keep a short account with God, to keep our sins confessed, to not let it pile up in our life because it not only affects us, but it affects our church. It affects our families, our homes. You think about the sin of Achan when he concealed it inside his tent. Think about how that it came in and Joshua, uh, God told Joshua, God will always tell his man what to preach and what to present. He told him who the sinner was and what the sin was. And when that sin was brought out, it's a tragedy, but 36 men lost their lives uh, as a result of Achan's sin. And then the end result was not only did Achan pay for his sin, but his wife and his own children had to pay for the sin of Achan. You know that's true today. There's a lot of young people that don't even have a chance in life. I know the grace of God can save and reach anybody but how many young people have died and went to hell, never heard the gospel or rejected the gospel because their mamas and their daddies taught them how to sin and taught them that love and sin was a good thing and not a bad thing. And friend, listen, that's why it's so deadly tonight but there's the penalty that we face when our sin is concealed but then he talks about in verse number five, the pardon that we find when our sin has been confirmed He said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid, I said. I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Now that's a great verse tonight. And it's great for this reason. It teaches us two very important lessons. Number one, it teaches us that there is forgiveness for any sin that we have committed. David murdered, he lied, and he committed adultery but he acknowledged it. He owned up to it. He confessed it, and God pardoned him. Do you know tonight, you could get right with God just that quick. 
He said, oh, but preacher, I've really done something terrible. Well, that's pretty bad. Lying, murder, adultery. But David confessed his sin. He, he come before God and God pardoned him. You know, I'm glad that God is a merciful God. Amen. Amen. I'm glad he's a God that the Bible said he abundantly pardons. Amen. Amen. You'll never see a sinner too big that God can't save. And if God's big enough to save them at the moment of salvation, he's big enough to cleanse them and forgive them the rest of their life even after salvation because he forgives us of all of our sins. Uh, he don't just forgive us for the deeds that we do, but he, forgive us for the very, he forgives us for the very nature that we possess. Uh, I mean, if we never did anything else in this life, do you realize if you never did one wrongful deed or another wrongful action, do you realize just being what you are and me being what I am is enough to send me to hell if I wasn't saved. It's the nature of sin that man has a sin nature and that God has a holy nature but even though man is so wicked and he's so, de uh, he's so defiled and he's so sinful when he comes to God and he's honest and he acknowledges and he confesses it then God is willing to pardon man of that sin. The Bible said in Romans 5 where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound tonight. I'm glad he's a gracious God. And there's parting, but it also teaches us tonight that even though there is forgiveness, there will remain consequences. You know, I can remember growing up and whenever I would do something wrong sometimes, I would beat my dad to the draw because I knew what was going to happen. And I just sometimes, I reckon, I, for that few moments, I reckon common sense just set in. And I realized, Brother Wilson, I think I'll just be better off to tell him because he always finds out. Young people, I'm going to tell you something. Your parents will always find out. And so will your preacher. I don't care if you went to Red China and sinned in the dark. We'll know it before you get back to America. Amen. Isn't that right? And I thought a few times, I thought I might as well tell him because he's going to beat me in it, whip, whip me, beat the devil out of me. You know, you say that nowadays, people think you're talking about child abuse, but beat the devil was just a normal saying. Y'all remember those sayings? I thought, well, he's going to beat the devil out of me anyway. Anyway, I might as well go ahead and tell him. It'll be a little bit less. And it was because it came clean. But guess what? He forgave me. He forgave me. But you know what? I still had to face the consequences. And I think sometimes that would keep us from sinning if we would remember, oh, listen, the God will forgive you. There is forgive, there is pardon, but the consequences live on. Uh, listen, Nathan the prophet told David, he said, the sword shall never depart out of your house. You see, God didn't kill David, but the sword never left. He suffered the consequences the rest of his life. And so we see here the pardon that we find when we confess, the penalty uh, that we face when sin is concealed. But now David mentions in verse 6 and 7 the path that we follow when sin is conquered. Look what he said in verse number 6. He said, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou, uh, when thou mayest be found. The path that we follow when sin has been conquered is this. There's power in prayer. Amen. David said in verse number 6, For everyone that is godly shall pray when, unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. You know what David uh, 
what, what bothered David the most with his sin was that it broke his fellowship with God, that his prayer line had been interrupted, and David knew, I'll not make it, I'll not survive, I've got too many enemies, I've got too much trouble. He knew, I need God too bad in my life to let anything come between me and him. So David said, God, it's wicked, it's sorry, I'm guilty of everything the preacher preached to me. And I'll tell you something, that immediately when he found forgiveness, he found power in prayer again. Amen. Can I tell you tonight, God is not deaf. Amen. He wants to hear us. He wants to answer us. And if we'll keep the way clear and confess our sins, we can have power in prayer. Amen. And then there's that power of position in verse 7. He said, Thou art my hiding place. Amen. Listen, that victory that comes in conquering that path that we follow when sin is conquered is not only the power of prayer, but it's that power of position. Once again, we find a hiding place in the Lord. You know what people do when sin gets in their life? The first thing they do is they quit reading their Bible and they quit praying. And then sometimes that happens even before. It leads to it. The second thing that they'll do is they're, they look for a way to miss church or not attend as much church. And if they continue in that sin they, and they're saved, they, get, they feel so guilty. The preacher may not know anything, but he doesn't have to know nothing. Just being around the saints of God and being around the Word of God and as the preaching is going and the teaching is going out, they feel very out of place and uncomfortable because this sin is in their life. Their, their position is not right with God, so their position is not right with their brethren. Have you ever seen somebody in church start slipping and you try to reach out to them and you try to help them, but it seems like no matter what you do, no matter how kind you are, no matter how nice, you try to be. It seems like you just can't get them back on the right track. It just seems like that fellowship just cannot be restored. It's not that you and them have a problem. It's them and God has a problem. Sin has fallen between them. Now they may blame the church. They may blame the preacher. That just comes with the territory, doesn't it? Amen. But the bottom line is that they've allowed sin in their life and it has pulled them out of church. And you know what happens? They get away from that safety net. I think we will all agree tonight that our safety net is the house of God. It's the word of God. It's, the, it's prayer. It's the people of God. These are our safety nets. They help us along life's way. But whenever we allow sin in our life, listen, our position changes not just with God, but it changes with everybody around us. I remember I had a friend of mine come to a revival meeting about a year ago that, that I grew up with. And we were, growing up, we were best friends. We were very close. And I talked to him and had talked to him through social media and invited him to church and, 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 and everything. And he came and, and, you know, we stood there before church, talked a few minutes, talked a few minutes after church. But, Brother Laddie, can I tell you, it just, it just wasn't the same. We were worlds apart. When we were growing up and we was in church, it was one thing. But because his life went one direction, my life went another direction, we were still friends. We would still classify ourselves to be friends, but we have different positions tonight. 
It's not that I'm any better than what he is. I could be where he was at or is if it wasn't for the grace of God. I don't look down on him. I don't think any less of him. But I also realize that the way things used to be never will be again unless his position changes because he's not coming to where I'm at and I don't plan on going to where he's at. I'm saying that's the way it is. How can two walk together except they agree together? And that's true about our relationship with God. We must be in agreement with him and also our a relationship with our brethren in the house of God. Now you watch in church, sometimes people get crossed up and that's why it's so important if that happens and it does happen that we have to make things right immediately because if our relationship is not right with each other, then our relationship is not right with God, amen? There's the power of position, there's the power of praise. He talks about in verse number seven, the songs of deliverance. You know, whenever we conquer sin, That's when a Christian starts singing again. David never talked about singing while he was sinning. Brother Laddie, when he gets right with God and he pours his heart out and he repents, he starts talking about them songs of deliverance. Do you know one of the marks of a spirit-filled child of God is that they speak to themselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual song. They're singing and making melody in their heart to the Lord. I'm telling you, when a person is right with God, there's a melody playing in their heart. Amen. I mean, you can be in church. You can be down at the house. You can be riding down the road in a car. But I'm telling you, when you're right with God, there is a melody in your heart and makes you want to sing praises to God. Brother, listen, I'm not, I don't, listen, I remember when I was lost and I'm me if you could say that, uh, but I don't glory in that none whatsoever. Uh, those wicked songs of the world, uh, uh, the country music and the rock music, I have absolutely no desire uh, to listen to any of that music tonight. It's not because I'm a good person. Uh, it's just because somebody put a new song in my mouth, uh, in my heart that'll sing praise unto our God. Uh, and when I hear them old songs, uh, they don't do for me what they used to do for me uh, because there's a new nature on the inside. But but brother, I'm telling you, when I go to church uh, and they open that old hymn book uh, and they start singing those songs uh, and it starts magnifying God and glorifying Him, uh, I say hallelujah, there's something on the inside that will connect uh, uh, with what's going on. Hallelujah. You know, that's my problem tonight and I think that's God's problem with contemporary music is that even if the message is right, why change the melody? Why make, it, why make it sound like the world? If we're saved and we come out from the world, man, I don't want anything that sounds like the world, do you? I don't want anything that sounds like country music. I don't want anything that sounds like rock music. I don't want to jazz Jesus or anything else, amen. I listen, Jesus don't need, he don't need rapped and he don't need hip hopped and he don't need any of that other mess, amen. I'm telling you, leave old time religion alone. It'll stand good and well all by itself uh, and it'll still be going on when everything else has changed and out of it. Hey, I'm telling you, listen, that contemporary music don't do nothing for me. It's sensual, it's devilish, amen. It sounds like the world. I, I don't care how doctrinal the, the words may be. Uh, uh, listen, but it probably propagates a movement that we're just not for. Will somebody say amen? And if you ever hear one song here, you can mark it down. I don't know about it and he don't know about it. Amen? Because that's not our interest tonight. But them songs of deliverance. Amen? Them songs that glorify God. Them songs that point us to the cross. Them songs that point us to heaven. Them songs, amen, that lets us know he's coming. Amen? Them songs that comforts our souls. Them songs, my friend, that gets the spirit of God working in 
in our hearts and working in our lives. Those are the songs of the church. And brother, those are the songs that we sing when we're right with the Lord. Amen. And that's the, my friend, how a sinner here in this text views this sin. But then there is the Savior, how that is seen, a sin is seen by the Savior. In verses 8 through 11, it's not David that is talking, but it is the Savior that is talking, a sovereign God. And what he tells David in verse number 8 here, he tells David that he needs to be guided. Now that David has got right with God and he's experienced, my friend, the path that he's following and conquering sin, the Lord. Lord speaks to him and he tells him in verse 8 you need to be guided he said I'll instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go and I will guide thee with mine eye I don't know about you but brother laddie if there's one verse in this psalm that makes me want to take a lap around this building it's that verse right there that God would care enough to say I'll do three things for you I'll instruct you and then I'll teach you and then I'll guide you amen now what about a God that'll take this book and he'll instruct us in it uh, and then the Holy Spirit will teach us what that means uh, and use it to guide us uh, in the right direction. Uh, I'm telling you if you're saved you've had that happen to you. You say what do you mean preacher? Well have you ever been in church uh, and been searching for something and needed an answer and been looking for something and all of a sudden a man of God unknowingly just preaching the Bible he would take some instruction out of this book and he would begin to expound that instruction and all of a sudden he's just preaching. But you know what God's doing? He's dropping that off at your pew. That's the answer you needed. That instruction may not be for nobody else, but he gave that to you. And he takes that word and he teaches you what that is and it guides you and lets you know the direction that you need to go in. Amen. Well, I thank God for the Holy Spirit tonight. I'm glad he guides us. Amen. I'm telling you, uh, uh, in the little things and in the large things, it makes no difference uh, if it's big or small. I just want to know what he wants me to do. I just want to know how he wants me to do it. I just want to know if I'm even supposed to do it, amen, or if I'm not supposed to do it. This Bible's alive, friend, amen. If you can live to be a thousand years old, uh, I don't care what dispensation you'd be living in, uh, the Bible would be as prevalent and as up to date, uh, and it would be exactly what you and I need for whatever we have to face in this walk of life, amen. And he guides us. And then I see that he governs us. As he says, be be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouths must be held with a bit and bridle lest they come near unto thee. You see, God, he don't want to muzzle us. You know what you do with a horse? You muzzle him. You put that bit and that bridle in his mouth. And you put them reins on him, and against his own will, he has to go wherever. But that ain't governing, friend. That's not the, that's, that's, listen, whenever God governs us, he gives us a choice and a will. God don't force us to do anything. God allows man to make a choice. I was preaching the other night, and they, I, well, he was, I think there's a couple Calvinists there, and I said, well, I'm not a Calvinist, but I do believe. And I, right then I said, well, I messed up with them too, amen. But I'm not a Calvinist, so I have to say it, amen, because I believe I'm not a Calvinist. But you know what I was thinking about this? I'm glad God gave us choice. I'm glad I'm not a robot, aren't you? We're not a, mechan- a, a mannequin, amen. There's no strings attached to us. You know what God did? He made man a free moral agent. 
And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll save you and I'll give you the Holy Spirit that'll seal you. And then I'll give you the, 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 the Spirit to guide you and to govern you through this walk of life. And if you want answers, thank God, he'll turn the light on for you. Amen. You don't got to have a doctor's degree. You don't got to be a theologian. Some people make you think they walk on a different uh, plateau. But can I tell you something? The Bible is written in a pra- on a practical level. And if you'll just simply, we all find the answer the same way. Do you know that? We have to get on our knees and in hum- humility we have to cry out to God and say God I'm weak and I don't know but you know and if you'll show me I'll go in that direction I'm telling you friend that's how God gives the answer every single time and I don't have anything to stick my chest out and boast about tonight I just know that I've got a God that is a good shepherd who knows the way that I take he knows the way that you're taking tonight and he knows how to govern and he knows how to guide every one of us amen And he leads us in the right direction. I have no problem believing tonight that if we we get that piece of property, it will be 100% the perfect will of God. And if we don't get that piece of property, that will be 100% the perfect will of God. You say, how do you know that, preacher? Because too many of us have and are praying, thy will be done. He loves his church tonight, don't he? God will do exactly what he wants to do. I've got to quit, but I want to say this. There's been times when I've faced things that I just said, Lord, thy will be done. God, I cannot fix this. I can't even start to come up with the answer. I've prayed, and Lord, the only thing I know to say is, God, you do what you know you want to do, what needs to be done. And I'm going to tell you, he never failed me one time. Amen. He never, has he ever failed you one time? He never fails. Jesus never failed. And then he tells us we must be guarded in verse number 10. He said that his mercy shall compass him about. And then he gladdens him in verse 11. Uh, He says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice ye righteous and shout for joy all ye that are upright in heart. I like that verse, don't you? He says, start out and just be glad. He said, then after you get glad, rejoice. He said, then after you've rejoiced, he said, then shout. Amen. You know, that's the way it is sometimes. If you'll go down the road and you say, well, I ain't got nothing to shout about, well, just start being glad. Be glad you're not going to hell. Be glad you live in America. Be glad on a rainy night you're sitting in a building. Uh, that's not leaking, amen? At least not yet anyway. Be glad tonight uh, that you're in a warm climate, amen? Be glad God lets you be in the south, amen? You know what it starts turning into rejoicing? After a while, you say, Lord, thank you for letting me be in the south and thank you uh, for, for letting me hear the gospel. Thank you for letting me be saved. Thank you, Lord. And it starts rejoicing, amen? You know what will happen? That well will just spring up uh, and after a while, you'll start thanking God uh, for who he is and what he's done and how wonderful he is, uh, and guess what? If you're not real careful, you'll wind up shouting. You'll wind up praising God. Amen. Brother, I'm telling you, them people that live their life like that, it's because they choose to be glad. You know, it's a choice, isn't it, tonight? I can get up tomorrow, and when I get out of the bed, I could be mad that it's Thursday. I can just be mad that it's Thursday. You saw a preacher, you wouldn't do that. I've met a lot of people's mad. Amen. I think they get up mad. And then I'd see them at work. They'd come in. And boy, they'd just come in like they come in like a grizzly bear, you know. You didn't even know whether to even speak to them. And this old boy I worked with, he wouldn't ever talk to nobody the first break. Amen. He'd just come in mad at the world. 
Amen. And then some people get up there just sad all the time. They just, they just live in the dumps. They're just always, you know, the sky is falling. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And Lord, help forever testify, then we all think the sky's falling. That's right. Come on now. They're just sad all the time. I mean, if you, if you gave them a lump of gold, they'd be sad it wasn't a diamond. Y'all know what I'm saying? If you wrote them a if you wrote them a thousand dollar check, they'd be sad you didn't give them cash. Now they got to go cash the check. You know, some people are just sad all the time. But I like to be around them Christians. They're glad, brother. You can get around them and you talk to them. You can be having a bad day, and guess what? You'll walk out feeling better. Amen. Because they're happy, they're glad, they're rejoiceful. You know, we can all be that way tonight. And as we stand. You say, preacher, how do you do that? We just got to deal with sin. And can I be honest with you tonight? I have to deal with sin every day. There's not one day in my life that I don't have to confess sins to God. There's days I have it. Boy, I tell you, and I've paid for them. Keep the way clear. Let nothing between. Be honest before God. Just confess it. And you know what? You can have victory. We'll sing a verse tonight. If you need to come, you obey the Lord.